2: Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Clay Link here with uh, lead prospect writer James Anderson. James is going to be talking about your latest Farm Futures article. Week one takeaways, nothing to really, you know, we're not going to overreact here, but there are some things that you're seeing in the first week of minor league play that has caught your eye.
3: Yeah, I, I prefaced the article by just saying like 99% of what's happened so far in the minor league season really is not something you should be getting excited about or bummed about no matter who the guy is. I mean, it's just such an incredibly small part of the season. I know everyone is excited because it's the first minor league games we've had in a long time that have counted, but, uh, you know, you really got to kind of pump the brakes on getting too excited about almost everyone that's off to a good start. Uh, there are stuff you can take away from it, and you know we'll get into that. But the guys that have made the biggest jump up my list over the past like week or so, uh, in many cases, it really had more to do with where they were assigned than anything they've done on the field.
2: Interesting. Yeah, at the major league level, uh, I'm kind of in a similar place where you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You don't know how much stock to put into something, but – um, there are trends developing, at least, and uh, the Reds' offense has been tr- had been trending in the wrong direction. It was kind of cathartic to see them explode for fourteen last night, although ten were against uh, Wei and Chen. They just let him you know, wear it last night. Hey, so.
3: gu- guess who? Uh, guess who had Scott Shebler going in the main
2: event oh, this week? Scotty, Scotty Shebs, back to back to back. That was fun. <laughs> uh, what are you? Are you I mean that's a 15 team league and you just got a little something out of him. But was he a guy who was on your chopping block?
3: Not really. I I still think the playing time situation is pretty safe uh, until Senzel's up. And in the NFBC format where you can do Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Saturday or Sunday with the hitters uh a guy with his drastic platoon splits i think does have value because if like this week he was only going to face righties in the first half of the week so i thought he was a pretty good play uh if if there had even been one lefty scheduled we probably wouldn't have started him but uh yeah in, in a league that deep and i mean it's the main event so like the waiver wire is even more barren than your typical 15 team waiver wire so uh, a guy that's playing every day, hitting in a decent spot in a ballpark like that, not not someone I would
2: cut loose just yet. Yeah, I think my Reds fandom does cloud my judgment a little bit on these guys because I've been watching and it's been brutal. <laughs> Saw him traded for in a league, a staff league that we're in just before he actually had. I think he had one homer against Pittsburgh, uh, but before last night, and I was like trading for Scotty Shebs, but. <laughs> I guess. I do wonder though, you know, Senzel out of his walking boot, what is his role, Shebler's when Senzel comes up? Is he just the fourth outfielder then?
3: I would think so. I, I guess I'm more interested in like what do they do with Matt Kemp and how long would they carry essentially five outfielders, uh, like three of whom are pretty poor, to, or two of whom are really poor defenders and winker and kemp and you know all of them except for nick senzel you would ideally not be playing in center field so it's kind of a weird bench that they would have if that if that uh transaction does take place i wonder if matt kemp might be a a buyout candidate at some point this season but um you know i think shebler has value as a guy that uh is an above-league average hitter against right-handed pitching and capable of playing all three spots. So I don't think he would be in jeopardy of losing a spot on the 25, man. But I think once Sunsells up, you can probably part ways with Shubbler in a lot of formats.
2: Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. Now, James, before we get to your article, it is stash and season, as we all know, and uh, Dan Corrado knows this very well. Uh, he knows it's stash and season. I want to put you on the spot, and I'm probably going to do this on our serious MLB Network radio show, which, by the way, you guys can check out for the first time debuting this week, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, MLB Network Radio, Rotowire Fantasy Baseball. Easy name, and you'll be able to search for that on demand as well using the SiriusXM app. But I want to put you on the spot and just ask, who's the guy who people aren't foreseeing coming up who's going to get the call early? Uh, you can opt out of this one, but I'm going to eventually <laughs> put you on the spot. Uh,
3: I, I mean it's it's a lot of the names we've talked about, really all, all of the past like five or six weeks. Uh, the the obvious the guy that is not you know under the radar by any means, but a guy that needs to be pretty universally owned right now, I think, is Mike Soroka, who uh, obviously missed a. Ton of time this spring, uh, still recovering from last season's shoulder injury, but he threw five perfect innings for AAA in his first start of the season, struck out seven. Uh, a guy I'd rather have Mike Soroka than Kyle Wright in redraft leagues right now, and I think it's close to a toss up between Soroka and Max Fried. So, you know, if Soroka's out there, I would I would scoop him up. I'm not exactly sure how he breaks in because once Fulton Evich is back, I think they probably send Kyle right down, but you know Kevin Gaussman has been just okay. Uh, Sean Newcomb's a guy we've talked about potentially fitting into the bullpen uh, long term for them. So I, I think one way or another, Mike Soroka joins the rotation fairly soon. So I would scoop him up if he's out there.
2: You still like Forrest Whitley over Soroka? Uh,
3: yeah. I think. <clears throat> I mean, we. We don't know when either guy's gonna be up, and I think Whitley's just so much better than every other pitching prospect that I would I'd probably rather have fifteen Whitley starts than like twenty-three Mike Soroka starts. So I would I would prefer Whitley.
2: Interesting. Well that's kinda of, you know, I agree with you that Soroka's a good pickup. It kind of Pains me to say that, though, because I think I cut him in the TGFBI league. How you doing in, in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational? By the way,
3: I am tied with Brent Chesser for fourth place right now in the Champs League. Uh, I think I'm in what am I top top fifty in the overall, uh, and haven't had my my first hitter was Vlad Junior. So. Uh, haven't had him yet so hopefully once he's up i can make a push
2: yeah i'm not doing too well the follow-up the uh, championship defense but you know i have my first two picks were uh, lindor stanton so i'm actually kind of fortunate i feel kind of fortunate to be where i am given given those circumstances but i a lot of season left to play
3: i was i felt happy on your behalf when i found out that you really didn't have much mike clevenger exposure at all this year i sort of assumed you would just because I know you've been uh, close to the high man on him for a while, but uh, that price obviously just crept up so much in draft season that if you wanted him, you really had to take him pretty high, and yeah, I, I feel good for you. I, I thought that like there was a decent chance you probably had him in that league too, oh, wow. and I was just going to be like, man, that that's awful.
2: That would be just <laughs> so brutal. I was on, on Clevenger last year. I actually don't have any redraft shares this year. Just the price got a little bit prohibitive. I love the pitcher, and sorry to see this, but yeah, only have him in staff keeper too. So I was I was kind of for, uh, fortunate to have dodged that bullet at least. Uh, Adam Ronis needs to just chill, man. Just take a week off, kick the feet up, and
3: yeah. <clears throat> big shout out to Adam Ronis, who not only uh, winning the Champions League by almost 25 roto points he's first in hitting first in pitching uh hitting is close eddie's eddie's close to him in hitting uh brian rudd's sort of close to him in pitching but uh just a monster start for adam Ronis, and probably good to give him a shout out now he's first in the overall i should say too uh in addition to being first in champs league but you know he he does have Clevenger, I think Clevenger was actually the first starting pitcher he took in that draft, so uh big bummer for him, but really great start to the year for him.
2: yeah, he's also leading the SiriusXM XM host league number two, so yeah legitimately great player um showing showing out well again early this season Well before we move on, a quick word from draft. if you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try my new favorite app. Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On draft you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season long league. Drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, play for cold hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just one dollar, so there's a draft for everyone. Um I was, you know, poking around on this and you know, I like it because you you don't end up with the same players as Other people. And that's kind of the the one thing that, you know, in in regular DFS, you know, you're you're just, you think you're making up ground, but, you know, half of the the contest has the same guys rostered. Not the case on draft. I was able to get Marquez last night. Not the best Marquez start. Um, (laughs) Look, I know Marquez was going to have some bad nights, and this was actually less a Coors situation that just looked like he didn't have his best command. So uh, still going to be turning there. Uh, to Marquez and DFS at COREs, because if he hits, you're going to really separate yourself. You can join me on draft today. Just search draft in your app store or play right from your computer on draft.com. For a limited time only, all RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast listeners get a free entry into a real money draft. Uh, when you make your first deposit, all you have to do is use my promo code RotoWire. That's right. Play a real money game for free. Just using my promo code RotoWire when you make your first deposit. Search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter promo code rotowire. James Farm Futures week 1 takeaways. You mentioned the the prerequisites, you know, that getting it out of the way that this is a small sample, not a ton to, you know, read into, but we're talking about two guys who are, you know, at the same level who could f- fill a similar need for a team. Jordan Alvarez versus Kyle Tucker. You know, you like Tucker a lot more long-term, but do you think this early start for Jordan Alvarez could lead to him getting the call over Tucker if there an immediate need?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Tucker more long-term. I, I They're only, I think, about like five spots apart on my top 400, so, um, you know, ask me in two months, and there's a chance I might prefer Alvarez, but...
2: So, not a, I said you like him a lot more, not quite a lot more.
3: Yeah, you know, Tucker was just so good at AAA uh, last year, especially in the second half last year, that I think you got to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, on this horrible start. I mean, he's got nine strikeouts and 18 plate appearances. Uh, and so, no walks. Right, no walks. So, horrible start, but just under 20 plate appearances. So, uh, don't read too much into that at all uh alvarez has had like the opposite start you know hitting for a ton of power four home runs already just as many walks as strikeouts hitting for a high average uh you know we saw with what they did with kyle tucker last year that they're not afraid to bring a guy up and then send him back down like even a guy of tucker's caliber they're not afraid to kind of make give a guy a short-term shot and then if he's he's not hitting they'll send him back down I could see something like that happening with Alvarez especially if he keeps up this tear like a guy that is he has his offensive upside and is on this kind of a run you know I mean it's not his first taste of AAA either and they're not getting much production out of Tyler White or Yuli Gurriel so I think there is is a place for him to play on the big league roster uh I wouldn't I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we saw him and Tyler White switch spots for a turn, you know, and just sort of see how Alvarez does. If he if he hits against big league pitching, he would probably just be up for good. And if he struggles, they would just send him back down. But you know, just a guy. I don't really think it's stashing season yet on him in fifteen team mixers, just because there's just no certainty that he's going to be up anytime soon at all. But he's the type of guy where it wouldn't shock me if he was up in a week, and then all of a sudden there was just a, a mad dash and fab to go get him.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Now you mentioned Tyler White. Neither of us were really on him in draft season, but you know, if you did draft him, should you just cut bait now or just hold on because you know batting sixth today, but he really hasn't been a factor at all, and losing out on starts to guys like Tony Kemp.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, (laughs) you shouldn't have drafted him. I don't think in in the first place. But if if you did, twelve team leagues, I would. I would cut him right now. Uh, Fifteen team leagues. I mean, you got to see what's out there. If if they're, I wouldn't cut him just to cut him. But and there's always a chance that he turns it around. It's it's certainly confirmation bias for me and you because we are not surprised at all yeah. by this start for him. But it's possible that he's quite a bit better than this, and he'll just get going and then start to wrangle those at bats away from Tony Kemp. Uh, but. Yeah, if there's somebody out there and you you like the rest of your bench, I wouldn't I wouldn't be scared to cut him in a 15 team league.
2: Nice, you know, getting back to TGFBI and the Champions League for a quick second. Uh, I actually shelled out a lot for a guy who's no longer a prospect, but still getting his feet wet, kind of. Clint Frazier, I went, I think two twenty three was the number. Uh, so yeah, I opened up the wallet, but where I'm at in the standings and having Stanton, I felt you know this was a good kind of pairing to have protect myself a little bit and upgrade over a guy like Jose Martinez, who I love, but if he's not playing more, I can't really justify starting him right now.
3: Yeah, I think that the fact that you own Stanton was uh, part of this that I think I saw a lot of people kind of talking about, not like bad-mouthing your pickup or anything, but I think you put me
2: on blast? No. Stunting on me?
3: But you, you having Stanton, I think, p- plays a, a definite role in your need for that guy versus – everyone else's need for that guy right uh and it kind of protects you to a certain extent in case this injury really lingers for stanton so did i do to- you have
2: a bit on frazier or no
3: uh i did i it was a pretty modest bit i didn't have uh i didn't have anyone i was dying to cut loose or anything like that and sorry might not have even started him this week so um wasn't wasn't a need for me, but uh, I I totally get the buy. I mean, he's the type of guy that has enough upside to make that well worth it, and he's really on a tear right now, I'm having some some really good at bats.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Luke voigt has been DHing, but he could shift back to first, right. open up DH for Stanton, uh, Aaron Hicks. Who knows what his status is? So yeah, I just felt a good player protect myself too, and
3: cause. and you could see a scenario where. If Frazier just hits, even when they're at absolute full strength, he could remain an everyday player.
2: Yeah, who's Brett Gardner to right keep him at bay as you know starter? Brett Gardner, good player, but probably best suited as like a fourth outfielder right now. Um, you mentioned Soroka, but Matt Manning. You mentioned that it's not stashing season for him yet either in, in standard mixed leagues. But uh, what if what have you noticed or seen with Matt Manning early on?
3: Yeah, he he was pitching today I was kind of more we had some meetings this morning and this afternoon and I was more focused on that start than the meetings and uh, I mean he was just dealing against a pretty bad Altoona lineup but uh, seven one-hit innings today with 10 strikeouts uh, just an absolute stud the fastball is just so dirty right now that he can just kind of pound the zone with it and double-A hitters can't do a ton with that, but eventually he's going to have to kind of paint a little bit more with the fastball. He he had some really nasty pitches today. Uh, you know, didn't didn't really need much of the off-speed stuff in the first uh, couple innings just because of, of how uh, heavy that fastball is. But yeah, this is a guy that I think is a couple more dominant starts away from an upgrade to triple-A and then, once he's at triple a anything's possible i think that if he didn't hit much resistance there we could see him in detroit sometime this summer and he's a guy that's got enough upside that really everyone should be a little intrigued at this point
2: so matt manning's at double a but his organizational mate Daz cameron at triple a toledo and off to a great start as of uh your writing here 300 400 550 manageable k rate at 20 uh clearly a need there too in, in detroit but Uh, Is this hot start for Daz Cameron going to change anything with this organization's plans?
3: Well, he probably would have. I kind of had a cop-out answer and said Soroka to your question earlier, but Cameron probably would have been my answer if I was going to try to name someone that is out there in in (laughs) most leagues. He's, you know, you could kind of think of this as the center field version sort of of Fernando Tatis with the Padres where – as long as they think that his bat is, you know, he's at least ready to kind of get his feet wet against big league pitching. Maybe he doesn't have success right away. You know, I don't think he's going to hit for a, a super high average this year if he does come up. But he he's just such a better defensive center fielder than anyone else they have. And I think he could, you know, the bar's not that high for him to clear offensively to be one of their top five or six hitters. So. I think that that's definitely in play. And what makes him really interesting for fantasy purposes is just the the stolen base upside. He could steal uh, twenty bases in four months, I think, pretty easily. So that's that's kind of the appeal there. And I think as soon as we get past April twelfth, he really could be up at any point.
2: It's interesting. Tigers won again today, eight and four. Kind of surprising. I don't think that's you know going to lead the team to think, oh, we're actually competitive. We're going to you know force the issue here and you know kind of expediate some of these arrivals. Uh, Expedite. I'm I'm an idiot. Forget mixing up my words. But anyway, um yeah, you know, they're off to a good start, a surprising start certainly. Another team off to a surprising start is the Mariners. I mean I'm loving having Dan Vogelbach in my stake lineup, I'll say that. But any any buy in whatsoever on, on a team like the Mariners.
3: Uh no. I mean I, I think that they could they could win seventy games. But I just don't. I don't see how they I don't see how that that pitching staff specifically. I mean, I don't. I don't love the offense either. I think Mitch Haniger's awesome, and you know it, it trickles off pretty steeply after that. But the that pitching staff. I know Marco Gonzalez has been great. I, I like him a lot, but it's just. I mean, that bullpen. We've talked about how bad that bullpen is on on the radio show, and. I just don't see that staff holding up to the point where they're remotely competitive once we get into the summer months in terms of a playoff spot.
2: Sure, sure. Well, a quick word from our sponsor, Yahoo Daily Fantasy. America's pastime is back, the smell of grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole in your pocket. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy and find a baseball contest that's right for you. Go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online. With Quick Match, you'll go up against another player of your skill level. Play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee, you will keep 100% of your winnings. Or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a management uh there's a no management fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that you can that can span anywhere between two contests and an entire season. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. Come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get playing, the sooner you get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash Fantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. Now, James, Nolan Gorman off to what you say is a better... You know, has been better than you would have expected in his return to Low A. Is he kind of a guy who's you know outside of the top tier guys who would probably be graduating before long? Is he kind of the next wave of, of top tier prospects in, in the minor leagues? He
3: could be. I mean, these next these next three guys we're going to talk about all sort of fit into that that basket. Uh, I have. You know, plenty of guys ranked ahead of nolan gorman that i feel are safer bets and have similar ceilings not necessarily the same type of ceiling he's probably got as much raw power as any hitter in the minors so very few guys on my list that i would think have a decent shot to be 40 home run guys in the big leagues but uh yeah i think he if he can kind of keep this all i really care about with i mean the the batting average home runs like we it's it's tiny sample but the you know k rates and walk rates stabilize fairly quickly it's not to that point yet but if he just kind of maintained where you know he's walking over 10 percent of the time striking out just under 25 percent of the time if you just told me he was going to do that all season i'd probably have him i don't know 25 30 spots higher uh on my rankings and so that's that's kind of where he could climb this year if if this ends up being legit i I worry a little bit that the the strikeout rate creeps back up to 30% or or more, so that's my hesitation with ranking him higher than he is, but big-time upside. I think uh, my my comp on his ceiling is Josh Donaldson, which is obviously a a first-round pick.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners is a guy that I think we talked about briefly in recent weeks, but not a player I know a lot about. How much are you buying into what he's done early on?
3: Well, I think it's good that he's holding his own but the the big thing for me is just that the mariners thought he was ready for low a he played all of last year in the dominican summer league was really good there had really good uh plate discipline numbers and all that stuff and you know even back to when he first signed in july 2 what was that 2017 i think he would have signed yeah um back when he signed he was seen as just maybe the best like fantasy over reality prospect from that j2 class with huge raw power a chance for a plus hit tool and like kind of a corner outfield type of profile and none of that's really changed it's just kind of come quicker for him than it typically does for power hitters like that you know if you have a six foot three 16 17 year old Corner outfielder. Typically, it takes them at least a couple years in the short season leagues before they're at low A. The Mariners took him straight from the DSL right to low A this year, and that kind of caught me by surprise. And you know, if he just holds his own there for another month or so, he's going to continue to to climb up my rankings. I moved him from uh, just outside my top 100 up to I think 65. And this is a guy that definitely could finish the year as a top-ten overall prospect if he just kind of keeps doing what he's doing.
2: That's awesome. That's exciting, certainly. Um, Luis Roberts has been captivating, uh, capturing a lot of attention, a lot of headlines with what he's done early on. And I saw something about the White Sox, like, well, they're monitoring what he's doing. It's like, yeah, you think? Of course they are. But he's still at high A now. He could advance to Double A this summer. Is double A what you're really, you know, really looking out for with him? Is that going to be the true test, or is there reason to put stock into what he's doing early on?
3: Yeah, double A is just I think anyone that is like, huh, see, told you with with Luis Robert after him just being you know, he's hitting for power four home runs and in a week is is pretty awesome, but you know, he's still striking out a lot. He's he's not walking very much at all. And this is a level that he should have been done with by now like he's only at high a still because he didn't do much at high A last year and there were injuries to be sure i think that injuries have played a big part in the fact that he's still at high a but it's still not as far up the organizational ladder as anyone even i who was pretty low on him when he signed in 2017 thought he would be right now i think people highest on him thought he would be in the big leagues already and you know at at the very least he'd be knocking on the door of the big leagues and he's still i think over a year away uh if he gets you know he'll get a promotion to double a here in a few weeks and if he is able to be very productive there even even if he's striking out like 25% of the time if he's able to be really productive at double a without going through a, a huge adjustment period then I'll move him up my rankings but I re- I really don't care what he's doing at at high a this is this is a level he should be doing really well at.
2: Yeah, I mean how old is he now? Like
3: he turns 22 later this year.
2: Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I remember last year I think in staff keeper 2 I bought him for a buck thinking he was going to be you know in the majors around this time but yeah, still ways off and you're at High A, so I definitely got to keep an eye on. But yeah, Double A would be the true test.
3: It's you know I I don't want to. It's a good start to the year, but it's it's the start that like we kind of thought he would have. And home runs aren't everything. He he didn't hit for much power at all before the Arizona Fall League, and then he he's kind of carried that over. So it's good that the power is showing up in games, but it's just it's way, it's way too soon to say like ah he's. He's got it. He's he's figured it out. Like, you know, it's we're we're still a ways away from that. I think.
2: Now, Clark Schmidt was a guy you were pretty high on relative to others, and impressive start for him. What do you make of what he's doing early on?
3: Uh, just really awesome that he. You know, I kind of thought they might skip him over low A uh, and and have him go to high A just based on all the time he missed recovering from Tommy John surgery, but uh, to to out casey mize who is gonna be promoted to double a any minute now uh to outduel him in in the first start of the year i thought really didn't get as much publicity as it should have gotten i mean this is a 16th overall pick from a couple years ago from the sec who uh just you know really really advanced repertoire for a guy with his limited pro experience he's got a 94 95 mile an hour fastball that that's got some good life the breaking ball is is plus and the change he'll flash a plus change up already uh good command i, I think this is a guy that's going to be on the fast track and you know he probably won't be moving up to double a much after casey Mize does so uh he was someone that i i was pretty much able to get in every dynasty league this this past offseason uh and that tells me that he's probably out there in some other dynasty leagues. So if he's still out there for some reason then your league roster's over 100 prospects, you should scoop him up.
2: Nice. Now Jordan Belazovic, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, of the Twins, another name that I don't really know much about. haven't heard it much. Um, but you say here, you know, mid-90s fastball, that's a monster pitch thanks to the extension he gets and I'm looking at him and you say here that the secondaries are promising, but is this maybe a Jordan Hicks situation where the team could say, Hey, we need the immediate help in the bullpen. Let's let's um, maybe push him back down to stretch back out next year, but let's see what he can do in the bullpen to help us now. Uh, I don't think
3: so. I think that they, you know, there's other arms in their system. They could maybe try that with Uh he, the fact that I think they opened him at low A tells me that they're pretty committed to developing him as a starter and one that could be a, a really, really good starter. Like I, I think everyone kind of agrees that Brewster is Gatterall, their top pitching prospect. And yeah, his stuff is nasty. I mean, he could get big league hitters out in the bullpen right away, uh, right now, if if they wanted to go that route. But I think Belzovich has a chance to pass Gratterall as the season goes on. I mean, he's got... Uh, a much better body, six four, uh, athletic, just really kind of looks the part of a future frontline arm, and yeah, that fastball is is devastating. I, I saw him uh, break off some nice breaking balls. Uh, I don't know if it was in that start or maybe spring training, but um, yeah, I think this guy's got a ton of upside, and he's another guy where. I was able to. I've been able to pick him up in in any dynasty league I wanted to so far this season. So he's he's probably out there.
2: Nice. Now Zach Gallen of the Marlins not a player you've been on really at all, but um, now you're kind of sniffing around. What's changed with Zach Gallen?
3: Uh, the fastball. Uh, you know apparently he was touching 97 miles an hour uh, for for most of spring, and he went out there and absolutely dominated in his first start of the year at AAA. And this is a guy that spent all of last season at Triple A, so you know I I don't know maybe if you're in a NL only league it it might be stashing time with Gallen. but he probably gets the call here and joins that rotation the next time they need a guy from Triple A, and if he's able to be a mid 90s guy, and st- I mean his his fastball used to be just a. a pretty mediocre pitch, which is why I wasn't on him. But if if he's a mid-90s fastball guy now, then all of a sudden there is some some decent upside there because uh, he's got a, a pretty solid cutter. He's got really good control. He he has a couple other secondary pitches. So, you know, we might be looking at a guy that actually ends up having 15-team mixed league value this season.
2: Nice. Logan Gilbert of the Mariners, a guy who has regained a little bit of velocity too, but not as much as he had back in 2017 when he was in the mid 90s so um, does he need to get the rest of that velo back to be you know really successful and a uh, major league starter or is he kind of and in a good spot with where he's at now well i think like
3: as is i mean this is a guy that was the 14th overall pick last year didn't pitch after signing uh due to workload issues and just right now he's he's at low a and is kind of on track to be a mid rotation starter which isn't all that exciting like if you have to roster a pitching prospect for a couple of years and all you're going to get out of it if everything goes right is a number 3 starter that's that's not that exciting but if he were to regain that velocity that he was showing uh, back in 2017 or he were to really improve his changeup then i think there would be a lot more to get excited about as is he's a guy that Uh, I was probably a little too low on uh, before the season. I think he should be rostered in most RDI-sized leagues, and I'm sure he is because of his draft pedigree, Uh, but just kind of wanted to comment on his start to the year. You know, really impressive numbers, but for a guy with his pedigree and and his stuff, uh, not surprising that he's having this success at low A and, and his age and everything, so just... I would caution against reacting to this and thinking like, "Oh, this is the next great guy." Like he's he still needs to improve parts of his repertoire to have that really high ceiling.
2: Interesting. Chris Cease is a guy who uh, shortstop for the Rangers. I had rostered in RDI at the start of last year, and his stock really plummeted after an injury. And uh, is he back on the rise though for you now?
3: Yeah, and it's it's gotten really nothing to do with what he's done at the plate you know those are unsustainable numbers for sure and the fact that he's striking out 25% of the time isn't that great but what what I'm intrigued by is that he's attempted five steals in five games part of that has to do with just the fact he's been on base half the time but uh you know he's probably a 55 grade runner right now unless he's unless that speed ticked up uh, over the off season while he was rehabbing the shoulder uh, but it, he's got really good instincts. He's a good athlete. He's going to stick at shortstop. So if he's, you know, he's going to be uh, running this much, I mean, he's got the, the pure speed to steal 15 to 20 bases. And if he's got the, these sort of instincts and this willingness to run, uh, that's, that's something that I wasn't really counting on even back in 2017 when he was, was break, break, breaking. I never really saw a ton of steals being part of the equation. And that, that might be changing.
2: We're going to pause for a second to give a shout-out to SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. so You can easily find the tickets you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I actually have SeatGeek app, uh, the SeatGeek app, on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I actually use the SeatGeek app to buy it gets to a Brewers game. James is going to be making the old ninety-minute trek to see the Brewers. Hopefully, uh, catch the Reds when they're in town later in the year too. There are a lot of great events coming up. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, by the way, the Bucks. Are you going to any uh, Bucks playoff games?
3: I would like to uh, if they get deep into the playoffs. I. You know, as a as a married man, I gotta kinda pick my spots with just how much sports I'm gonna consume at home. So I'm probably gonna sit out that first round matchup. They they should roll over that. But yeah, if they get to the second, third round, I, I might uh hop on SeatGeek and, and see what's out there.
2: Nice. Number one overall seed, right? Yep. That's pretty impressive. Uh but best of all, my listeners get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase of thirty dollars or more. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTOMLB today. That's promo code R-O-T-O-M-L-B for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. Seat Geek Life's an event. We have the tickets. Now, uh, Jaron Duran of the Red Sox, 70-grade speed, but does he have enough in the bat to allow that speed to really play?
3: He's, he's
2: made... Uh a lot
3: of improvements in a short amount of time. He was, uh, I think, a 12th rounder for the Red Sox last year. I think he got six figures. But you know, college, a college guy, he's already 22 years old. Uh, so what he has to they they transitioned him from the infield to center field, where obviously the speed is more valuable. And so he's got a chance to be kind of a glove-first everyday center fielder but he does need to do at least something with the bat to get there and he's upped his line drive rate at every stop so far uh only striking out nine and a half percent of the time so far this season that's a really good sign because if he puts the ball in play he'll get on base a lot just via that speed uh there's a chance just given his age given the general lack of pedigree and uh, the lack of game power at least to date that he'll get to double A and kind of hit a wall or maybe hits a wall at triple A. Uh, but the speed is obviously very appealing to us in, in dynasty league. So he's, I know he's owned in, in a decent amount of the dynasty leagues I play in, but there's a chance he might still be out there in yours.
2: Now these last two players you wrote up for really, you know, deeper, deeper dynasty leagues, ones with 300 plus prospects rostered, Michael Grove, Guy coming back from twenty seventeen Tommy John surgery, were you surprised with his uh, assignment to start this season?
3: Yeah, and so I, I list him under this, you know, for deep leagues, three hundred plus prospects, uh, and that's more of sort of a guide of I am playing in leagues that are this deep, so I should look at these guys. I already picked Grove up in the Dynasty Guru Expert League, which is the same kind of setup as as RDI. So I think – and I I moved him into my top 200, so I think he should be – he's a guy that you should think about picking up even in shallower leagues, but he might be out there in these really deep leagues because of the fact that he didn't pitch until this year because of the fact he was not a first-round pick but a second-round pick. you know, the fact that they sent him to high A. I, I hadn't reacted as favorably to an assignment, I don't think, since I heard Wander Franco was going straight to the app league last year. And just the amount of, I didn't, I didn't want to do the, I didn't want to take the time uh, to try to figure out uh, the last pitchers that have, Made their professional debut. The last starting pitching prospects that made their professional debuts above low A, but it—I guarantee—it's a a very small list. And I, you know, I note that like even Casey Mize didn't open at high A. He opened and he did one start in rookie ball, then went to high A. But you know, he probably would have opened at high A if he hadn't pitched at all last year because they would have seen what he could do in camp and and uh, you know all that stuff. But the fact that the Dodgers did open Grove. At uh, high A, I think is is very actionable. He was excellent in three innings, his first time out. Struck out four, no runs allowed. The Dodgers obviously have a really great track record of developing pitchers, and he already had a, a plus fastball, plus slider before needing Tommy John surgery. Those uh, pitches could get even better, especially with the Dodgers you know working with them on that they are obviously known for adding velocity to guys on the fastball. Uh they're really good at teaching a bunch of different off-speed pitches, so I think Grove is a guy who could really have a ton of upward momentum this season and I love investing in these high upside pitchers that are out there on waivers basically just because they were recovering from Tommy John surgery. You know, if Grove had never had Tommy John surgery, he's probably uh first round pick last year and he's not out there but uh, i think this is an opportunity to take advantage of
2: yeah it sounds like another dodger walker bueller who was in kind of a similar boat where he's just kind of and you were all over him when he first came back and you know if you listened to james's advice and you you got a big windfall there uh finally gene carlos mejia of the indians what can you tell me about this guy
3: He's a, a big-time late bloomer where it took him four years working as a reliever in short-season ball before he finally entered the rotation at low A last year. And they added him to the 40-man roster this offseason to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. He's six foot 4 he's got a mid-90s fastball, four-pitch mix, chance for plus curveball plus slider, uh, really good control, at least – in, the, in full season ball after after spending all that time in rookie ball. This is not a guy that I've added yet in any dynasty leagues. I kind of want to see a little bit more from him, but uh, he's got a ton of upward momentum as well. I mean, the, the pitch mix really isn't that different from what Luis Oviedo has, and he's knocking on the door of my top 100 just because there's kind of more, uh, more of a track record there and a little bit more... Pedigree as an international signee, but I mean, Mejia could definitely finish the year inside the top 200, maybe inside the top 100.
2: Wow, yeah, that's upward momentum galore. Now, I don't assume either of these guys are realistic candidates to step in for Clevenger at any point this year. Uh, Am I right in assuming that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, who do they turn to, by the way? Like, I I don't even know. Cody Anderson, maybe? I don't know who they have that they could really. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, I don't think they would have gone to Tristan McKenzie anyway, but he's on the shelf with the back injury, so he's not even an option. Uh, it, I think it is going to have to be one of those those journeyman guys. Um, you know, Sam Hench's lefty, might be the guy that's closest to the big leagues that would have fantasy appeal, but I don't think they would go to him either. I think they're just going to kind of... Piece it together. Piecemeal it together, if you yeah, will. Hey, you got to
2: piecemeal it sometimes. Now, James, <laughs> great stuff. We appreciate it. On to our countdown of the most memorably bad hip-hop songs of all time. And I got, surprisingly, the first Bow Wow entry into the list. A little Bow Wow, Ghetto Girls. Um, look, this starts with a little JD, JD uh, Jermaine Dupri rep in So So Deaf Records. Whatever happened to So So Deaf, I wonder. Um probably not still around. Probably went down with, with Bow Wow's career. But look, I, I hear this song this was a one that I heard on, you know, the basement quite a bit back when that was on uh B E T and this was again kind of the height of bad commercial hip hop and Bow Wow, Lil Romeo, they were the faces of it.
3: <laughs> uh you know, this is a bad this is a bad song, to be sure. I think you know. I think there have been songs that we've we've submitted earlier that that might be worse than it. Uh, Maybe, but I mean, I I guarantee you my my song's worse than it uh, that I'm going to be submitting this week. But yeah, I think
2: you guarantee that.
3: I guarantee I guarantee it. Uh, wow. So so deaf needed uh, heavy representation here. There might part of the problem is I don't know if there's enough so so deaf songs that actually count as like true, like com- like. Intended singles, you know, like, but, but, you know, we'll see. Like, I'm looking at like all my JD track listings of of his CDs, and it's like, well, yeah, these songs mostly suck. But how many of them were actually widespread enough that people would know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, here's the current roster of artists according to Wikipedia for So So deaf Records: Debrat, Jay Quan, Jagged Edge, Nova, Mr. Python. Twist, not Twist up. Uh, twist uh, and Tyler Rain. Aside I from like, Debrat and hey, Jagged Edge, I like
3: JE. Jagged Edge was
2: yeah, I guess decent. I didn't know So So Death was still in existence. Last album release was twenty fourteen, so um, so uh, maybe they're they're not
3: really. Maybe they're just collecting on those people that are still yeah. streaming.
2: You gotta, yeah, you gotta. You got to um, get your royalties, you know. So you got to at least <coughs> keep a keep a company set up to be able to bring those those funds in. What do you got? You, you really say this is going to be worse than Ghetto Girls? Well, I
3: this think week? this is going to be worse than songs that I probably have in, in future weeks, but I haven't dug deep enough to to put that to curate that entire list yet. But I know that this one had to be on there somewhere. And it's uh, "Dilemma" by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland.
2: Oh yeah, It's already made my list. Oh, it did I should it? have had it much higher. I don't remember yeah. that. Oh, um, maybe maybe I Nelly and Kelly Rowland. Yeah, okay. I remember we're well, talking about the um, she's texting on like the Google <laughs> well, sheet or whatever.
3: I didn't even. I just remember hating this song like the moment I heard it and just trying to tune it out whenever it was on. But I was looking at the lyrics uh, just for. Today and I didn't realize it was about him, uh, him trying to steal a girl who was with another man and had a kid with that other man, and he was like, "I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not the type to break up a happy home, but there's something about baby girl I just can't leave alone. So, you know, not the type to break up a happy home, but I'm gonna, gonna, gonna go for <laughs> well, it anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's that's always like the classic. You know, I don't mean to, you know, sound like a jerk, but you always sound like a jerk. Uh, Yeah, I was just looking this up and, man, uh, I'm glad this made both of our lists. I think the fact that it did make both lists is a real indictment. And (laughs) maybe one of the only songs that makes both lists, just because there's such a wide range of of poor, Mm. uh, memorably bad hip-hop singles.
3: Yeah, sorry for forgetting that you had that on there. I'm I'm glad yeah. I had it higher. It means that I took more of a stand than you did. Yeah,
2: I mean I'll forgive you this time I guess, but I expect you to be tracking my <laughs> my picks. <laughs> and our our buddy Andrew Redding, of course, who I don't know if he's still doing it, he may have just given up. Yeah. Uh, this'll kill anybody's, you know, drive no. to
3: We won't to live. think we definitely won't think less of Andrew if he if he decides that this is just not a, a good use of his time. <laughs>
2: I don't think that Spotify playlist has a single listen, but we appreciate the effort. It's funny to just see like all these, you know, album covers scrunched together. Just some of the worst of the worst. But that'll do it for us. Thank you guys for listening to the Rotowire uh, Prospect Podcast brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Talk to you next week and check us out on MLB Network Radio Sunday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, seven to eighty Eastern. Talk soon.